0: Can He Do That? is sponsored by Zeal. Want to know the only thing better than getting a massage? Getting a massage in the comfort of your own home. Introducing Zeal. The people in the FBI are incredible. I would bet if you took a poll in the FBI, I would win that poll by more than anybody's ever won a poll. But the top people were horrible. You look at what happened. They were plotting against my election. Probably has never happened like that in terms of... Uh, intelligence in terms of anything else right. but they were actually plotting against my election. The headline right now on Thursday
1: afternoon, the Department of Justice's Inspector General released a 500-page report. The report tries to declare definitively once and for all what the Justice Department and the FBI did right and did wrong while investigating Hillary Clinton's emails. This report, it's particularly damaging to former FBI Director Jim Comey, who's accused of insubordination. It's damaging to FBI agents themselves, highlighting this text message exchange that demonstrated anti-Trump bias. And the report is being used by President Trump as prime evidence to support his thesis that the investigation into Russian involvement in the 2016 presidential campaign is completely bogus and a witch hunt.
0: I mean, there was total bias. I mean, when you look at Peter Strzok and what he said about me, when you look at Comey, all his moves. So I guess... So,
1: there is a lot in these 500 pages. I'm Martine Powers, and this is Can He Do That?, a podcast about the powers and limitations of the American presidency. And this week, we're having this special episode about the DOJ report, because we have a lot of questions... Because this report is being used as fodder for political spin. Like, people on the left are saying that it means one thing. People on the right are saying it means another thing. And so we thought that we'd talk to national security reporter Devlin Barrett to figure out what it does say and how this investigation into the investigation of Hillary Clinton's emails has anything to do with the Mueller investigation into President Trump. What does this report say? Have you read all 500 pages? (laughs) What are the takeaways here?
0: I've read almost all of it. There are some sections that are actually, I mean, with 500 pages, there are a lot of rabbit holes in this report. And so steering clear of the rabbit holes, what the report says is that they found misjudgment, unethical behavior, unprofessional behavior, and major missteps in the course of the Clinton email investigation. But And and this is the part that a lot of the Democrats are seizing on is they did not find any evidence that the political bias that existed among some senior folks at the FBI, the IG did not find evidence that that affected investigative decisions in the course of the Clinton email investigation.
1: So this whole thing is about the investigation into Hillary Clinton's emails, whether or not she used her own private email account to conduct state business. And at what point did the investigation into that go under review from the inspector general?
0: So the inspector general announced in January of 2017 that he was going to start investigating a bunch of the questions raised in the course of uh, the FBI's handling of the Clinton email investigation. So this investigation has been going on for about a year and a half. And they've already come out with other findings and they've, you know, other people have gotten in trouble and, and had consequences for things the inspector general has found. But this is really the big McGilla report off of the Clinton email case. The major new revelation in the report is internal FBI text that was only found about a month ago, which is amazing considering this investigation has been going on for a year and a half. And what that text was, was a conversation between two people, a senior FBI lawyer and the one-time lead agent on both the Clinton email case and the Russia investigation, a guy named Pete Strzok. And the senior lawyer asked him, he's not going to win, right? Right. And Pete Strzok replied, no, we'll stop him.
1: He, in, in reference to
0: President Trump. Meaning, right, in reference to President Trump. Right, at that time, Trump. candidate Trump. Candidate Trump, exactly. And that text really goes to a lot of what the argument about the FBI has been over the over the recent months, which is the president keeps asserting that the FBI is essentially out to get him, that they were biased against him during the campaign and they're biased against him now that he's in the White House. And so the president and his supporters keep pointing to texts like that to say, see, we're not making this up. This is a very real thing. They hate us and they're trying to stop us.
1: And how does Jim Comey, fit into all of this? You know, obviously, we've heard a lot about this decision that he made in terms of raising up new issues with the email investigation. And like, where does the IG's report come down on that?
0: It's very critical of Jim Comey and the decisions he made as FBI director on the Clinton email case. They basically call his decisions extraordinary and insubordinate. And that's pretty harsh language. And there's a lot of ways in which they break down the different decisions that Comey makes. But they fault him for announcing on July 5th of 2016 on his own that there would be no charges against Hillary Clinton in the case. They say he basically took the authority away from the attorney general and the deputy attorney general. And they fault him again very harshly for his decision to send a letter to Congress 11 days before the election saying that they were reopening the Clinton email investigation to look at a new set of emails that had been found.
1: So then... It would seem like there is evidence on both sides of Jim Comey taking actions that were potentially detrimental to Hillary Clinton, but also these senior FBI officials who are texting about how they don't want President Trump to be president. Right. So, like, where, how do we square that? Like, how are we supposed to interpret this? There's
0: a lot of different ways to break that down. The way I explain it to people is most of what Comey did in 2016, the public decisions he made cut against Clinton and cut against Clinton in some cases very sharply, for example, the letter to Congress 11 days before the election. However, there was also at the same time, unknown to the public, these pretty unprofessional and inappropriate conversations going on among senior officials at the FBI, really expressing a profound dislike of candidate Trump and a profound preference that he not become the president. What's kind of interesting about that and really sort of interesting notion that the inspector general threw out yesterday but didn't actually come to a conclusion on is the inspector general suggests that there's a moment in October when they know they have these new emails that they need to look at, but no one in the FBI is actually doing anything about it for a period of weeks. They are just they seem to be just sitting on it. And the inspector general suggests that may be, be in part because Pete Strzok is so focused on hunting the Russia question and trying to get evidence about any possible communications or conspiracy between Russia and Trump associates, that he's not actually focused or thinking that much about the Clinton email case anymore. And that's an interesting way of viewing this dichotomy within the FBI, that the bureau is taking actions that clearly hurt Clinton, but at the same time, there is an intense focus on candidate Trump that is underground and not seen by the outside world, by and large. And look, it's a 500-page report. Anyone can find the things they're looking for in that. In addition to sort of like the big conclusions and the big ideas, it's full of rabbit holes. There's a million side streets you can go down here and say, see, this proves the thing that I think about the FBI. And so I think, frankly, in our current political environment, you're going to see people use it for their own purposes. And the greater message of the IG report will probably get drowned out fairly quickly. Well, speaking of that, President Trump tweeted
1: a few times this Friday morning about what he thought about the IG's report. He said, FBI agent Peter Strzok, who headed the Clinton and Russia investigations, texted to his lover Lisa Page in the IG report that, quote, will stop candidate Trump from becoming president. Doesn't get any lower than that. Obviously, he has his own takeaways from this report. Do you think that this will be effective in terms of bolstering President Trump's argument that the FBI can't be trusted and that they're not a reliable
0: investigative agency? I think it's a lousy legal argument, but he's not making a legal argument. He's making a political argument. I think one of the things that sort of ties folks in knots when Giuliani talks, his lawyer, or when the president talks, is a lot of people will quickly react and say, well, that's not what the facts are. That's not what the law is. If you think about what the president is engaged in, he is under investigation. If that investigation ever goes into any kind of courtroom setting or anything, as far as the president goes, that courtroom is Congress. So the potential jurors for the president are not lawyers. They're not jurors in a courtroom. They are members of Congress. So they have come up with basically a political strategy to deal with the potential jurors that might someday have to pass judgment in some fashion on the president. And in that sense, I think it's a pretty smart strategy, and I think it's a pretty effective strategy, and I think the poll suggests it's an effective strategy. I wouldn't necessarily call it a legal strategy because I don't think that would last very long in a regular federal courtroom, but the president by and large doesn't have to worry about a regular federal courtroom for his interests. And so I think that's the game that's that's being played, um, and I think it's fairly savvy in its way. But look, we're in a polarized country, some important, significant percentage of Republicans hear what the president says and finds that compelling and convincing and some important, significant percentage of Democrats here and think it's nuts and, and it drives them crazy. I don't know that the dial is going to move much in that sense.
1: Have the reactions from members of Congress fallen pretty squarely along political lines? I mean, has this convinced anyone in one direction or another of whether or not to trust the FBI?
0: Yes. One of the great joys of covering the inspector general report is that a lot of politicians have already decided what they think about the inspector general report before having read the inspector general report. So that's not particularly surprising. I think that was to be expected. But as we go forward, I think what's going to happen is both sides are going to have chapters of ammunition now to say, oh, well, if you throw this piece of the report at me, I'm going to throw that piece of the report at you. I expect that to be the sort of the back and forth for a while. Can He Do That is sponsored by Zeal. Want to know the only thing better than getting a massage? Getting a massage in the comfort of your own home. Introducing Zeal. Bring the spa to you and try Zeal today. Right now, go to zeal.com and enter promo code That to get $20 off your first in-home massage. That's code That.
1: Do you think that there is any truth to the idea that what happened in advance of the election in terms of the investigation into Hillary's emails reflects on the Mueller investigation?
0: It's a really good question. I don't know that you can imply from the fact that James Comey made a bunch of misjudgments that James Comey is also therefore dishonest. What's sort of interesting about Comey's situation now is that he pretty quickly, once the the Trump administration began, he pretty quickly moved from being an investigator to being a witness. And so now, that, that while there's certainly lots of arguments about his credibility, and certainly if he made all these missteps as described by the inspector general, I have no doubt Republicans will use that to attack his credibility. But I also think that there is a meaningful difference between Comey's decisions in the Clinton case and what Comey wrote down happened in his conversations. And so will... Mueller or other prosecutors or other investigators being able to draw that distinction out and make it meaningful in whatever setting that this eventually comes to be argued in, that remains to be seen. But I do think that it's not as simple as saying, well, if Comey screwed up the Clinton email investigation, therefore, you can't believe him about the president. I think it's a little more complicated than that, and I think those battles will still be fought. I do think one of the things that's sort of striking to me in the reaction to the report is that... People who work in politics read the report and basically viewed it as, okay, who is the FBI mean to? Which politician got hurt most by the FBI? And in that measure, what you see is a lot of reaction saying, you know what? Most of what the FBI did here harmed Clinton and whatever biases they have against Trump, it didn't actually harm his electoral chances. So – from a lot of political folks, you hear talk about, you know, this really isn't that bad and maybe too much was made of this all along the line. I think you get a significantly different reaction from people who are law enforcement officials because – so for example, if the only standard is, well, Trump's you know, sort of conspiracy theory accusations turned out not to be true, from the FBI and the Justice Department's point of view, that's a pretty low standard if there wasn't a giant cabal, everything's good, is not how I think most law enforcement officials would view this report. I think most law enforcement officials view this report and think, oh, this is terrible. You've got people engaged in all sorts of protocol-breaking, policy-breaking, just deciding to do stuff on their own in contradiction of decades of what's accepted as common wisdom of the Justice Department and the FBI. And what's described to law enforcement officials reads like, kind of a disaster.
1: This is embarrassing for them as as an agency.
0: These These are professional law enforcement officials with the power to break down your door, to tap your phones. And in many instances, they seem to be behaving pretty petulantly and pretty much in their own self interest. That's jarring and upsetting to a lot of folks. But it's, again, if you go back to the political lens, you look at this and say, oh, well, you know, whatever biases they had, Their actions actually cut the other way. Their actions actually cut against Clinton more than Trump during the campaign. So it's fine. And I think that disconnect is another way in which this report is going to be viewed in political terms far, far differently than it's viewed inside the Justice Department and inside the FBI.
1: So when you think about the people who are kind of treating this politically, Rudy Giuliani was on TV saying that he thinks that this is evidence that Mueller should be fired or suspended or punished in some way. Is that actually going to happen? Is there any chance that this is going to prompt some type of action against Mueller?
0: I think there's almost no chance that Mueller pays some sort of disciplinary price for what the inspector general's report has found. For one thing, I don't believe Mueller's really appears in the inspector general report in any way because that's not what they looked at. It's obvious that Rudy Giuliani and President Trump have decided to use this report. And they, they've said this long before the report was out. They said that whatever the findings are, they will show that the Russia investigation is bogus. Well, OK, that's their political argument. But that doesn't actually make much legal or bureaucratic sense within the government. So I think it's a perfectly effective political strategy to take, which is to try and further discredit the Russia investigation with this inspector general's report. That's been their strategy for months. But I don't think that has any real-world consequence inside the Justice Department where Mueller works or inside the FBI that is carrying out Mueller's orders. And you know what's <laughs> a little shocking and jarring to think about is the inspector general is now going to work, one, on a new report about suspected leaks within the FBI, always a fun topic for reporters and is already working on another investigation that's going to be a rather mammoth effort on how the FBI handled the Russia investigation.
1: So if the inspector general is going to be starting this new report about how they handled the Russia investigation, but the Russia investigation is ongoing, how is that going to work?
0: Very poorly, perhaps. It's not how it's normally done. I think there's so much political pressure on the Justice Department and the FBI that they can't flat out refuse to have such an investigation until they finish their work. But I do think that IG is pursuing it. They're going to start collecting. We know they already have started collecting evidence. But I do think there are certain things they will hold off on looking at until Mueller is further along and, and Mueller has reached some conclusions or wrapped up some avenues. I do think they have to wait for some things to finish before they look at everything.
1: Obviously, this has started to get extremely complicated. Where you have one investigation to Hillary's emails, and then you have the investigation into the investigation, and you have another investigation to Russia, and then an investigation into that. Is this is this normal? Like, how, I'm even I'm thinking back to maybe the Clinton impeachment, right? Like, sure. was there an as much stuff around the actual nature of the investigations themselves in that situation?
0: It is and it isn't. The way I usually describe it is this is a pattern that has repeated itself before, but we've never seen the stakes this high and we've never seen this set of players, this personally involved, by which I mean the president, people immediately around the president. And so if you want to, one of the enduring political strategies of the government now in Washington is if you're in trouble from an investigation, you should immediately start attacking the investigators and insist that someone investigate the investigators That is not just a DC tactic. That is an old school defense lawyer tactic in any court in the country. But it's amazing to watch play out in real time when it's about the president, when it's basically different parts of the government in sort of open conflict with each other. Like the relationship between the White House and the FBI right now is mind-boggling to me because I have not – I've been covering this stuff for 20-ish years and there have always been some degree of tensions and certainly as you mentioned, the Clinton impeachment time period – was a period when there was a lot of tension between the White House and the FBI, and the FBI director really didn't speak to the president. But now you've got, I think, something far more intense and with far more bigger potential repercussions, which is that the president has decided the FBI is out to get him and is trying to stop that. And that is an amazing dynamic to just cover on a daily basis. It's an amazing thing for people in both those institutions to try to just navigate and manage.
1: Well, also, when you say that this is a an old-school defense lawyer tactic, I find it so interesting that it's such a departure from what we've seen maybe during President Obama, where when you're faced with these kinds of investigations, like, the strategy is to talk about it as little as possible and hope that, like, nobody notices that it's <laughs> happening and right. go, go about whatever business you'd rather go about.
0: Right. And one of the fascinating things about having Trump as the president is that he does a lot of the lifting himself, most Cases, forget president, forget government, most cases, the suspect, the defendant, the person who's involved in the the investigation does not personally go out and say, here's the things I did. Here's the things I didn't do. And by the way, the agents are being jerks. Now, maybe their lawyer might say that and maybe their lawyer would like you know, keep it nice and civil and, and say it in sort of like lawyerly careful language. That is not what we are dealing with. The president on Friday morning walks out to the White House lawn and just starts talking to cameras about how the whole FBI was conspiring to keep him from becoming president. That is the environment we are operating in now. And it shows obviously that he always believed that the IG investigation would prove his point. But it also shows the way he works, not just what he thinks, but the way he's going to do this, which is he personally is going to walk out to any camera he can find and take shots at the FBI.
1: Thanks for listening to Can He Do That from The Washington Post. We're really excited to share with you this special project that we've been working on that's coming out on June 25th. It's a week-long mini-series about midterm elections called How to Flip the House. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the three recent midterm elections when the House of Representatives flipped from one political party to another. And it's about how those elections changed the course of a presidency. If you're subscribed to Can He Do That, you'll see the first episode pop up in your feed on that Monday morning, June 25th. In the meantime, we'd love if you could take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere else that you listen. And check out previous episodes at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. This week's episode of Can He Do That is produced by Carol Alderman and Ted Muldoon, with design help from Kat Rudell-Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon. I'm the host, Martine Powers, filling in for Allison Michaels. And special thanks to Devlin Barrett for coming on the show. If you like Can He Do That? You should check out some of our other great podcasts. Like Retropod, a daily show for history lovers featuring surprising stories about the past, Rediscovered. Or try Cape Up with Jonathan Capehart, where Jonathan brings you the voices you need to hear on the topics you try to avoid. You can find these shows anywhere you listen to podcasts and learn more online at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts.
0: The Washington
1: Washington Washington
0: Post.